Hello friends and greetings on this third week of Lent. We're going to start off today with a poem from our friend Lydia Mormon. This is a poem that's written as a prayer and it also reads as a kind of spiritual autobiography. It poetically lists moments over the course of time, really over the course of a life, in which there is a sense of God having been near. One thing I love about this poem is the specificity with which the poet names the places and moments in her life where God intersects. These are not generic experiences of God, as if there was such a thing as a generic experience of God, but rather these are experiences of the divine in very particular places and situations, because that's where God meets us in the particulars of our lives. Do you believe God wants to meet you in the particular places and situations of your life? Here's Lydia. How do you mark the days? Yours is the name held for me at birth, cradled for eternity, murmured like an oath. Yours, the back right corner in a weathered memory of a church, where I first knew the goodness of God and learned how flawed our rendition of it is. Yours, the in-between, hollow, sinking, drowning. Yours, the empty days and questions, endless questions, the exhaustion of rationalized satisfaction. Yours, the song on a North Carolina beach where something settled and stirred again. Yours the quiet on a fall retreat morning, sleep-dewed eyes, words wanting to be found, but a journal page blank, and a maple leaf that calls to mind multitudes more. Yours at a Banhof, a prayer embodied as a couple on the same train to guide me. Yours my words that move like ocean tides, meticulous and untamed, a cry for understanding, the hallow of being known. Yours on a late woken morning, a breath a sigh, a prayer. Thanks, Lydia, for sharing with us this beautifully crafted poem, and even more so for letting us in on your prayer. Today's scripture passage tells the story of God intersecting a woman's life at a very particular place. The place is a well. It's a well on the outskirts of a town called Sychar in the region of Israel called Samaria. This was an unlikely place for Jesus to be, since Jews did not mix with Samaritans. In fact, historically, Jews very much looked down on Samaritans. What's more, it was about noon, and that was an unlikely time of day for a woman to be drawing water from a well. It was the heat of the day. Most women would have gone to the well in the morning. We read later that the woman in this story had had a number of husbands and was now living with a man who wasn't her husband. So perhaps she was there in the heat of the day to escape interaction with her fellow townspeople. Perhaps she was there because she was avoiding shame. As you listen to the passage with this background in mind, What stands out to you about Jesus? What is this passage revealing to you? 
about who he is and what he's like. John chapter 4, verses 5 through 15. Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. One of the things that stands out to me about Jesus in this passage is the fact that he asks for something. He and his disciples had been traveling. It's hot. He's legitimately thirsty. And so he asks the woman for a drink of water. How ironic that the one from whom eternal life flows would ask for a drink of water. Something extraordinarily beautiful happens when Jesus makes this request, even before conversation develops. You see, Jesus' question, his ask, dignifies the woman. It dignifies this woman who, very well otherwise, has lost her dignity. It acknowledges her 
as someone who has something to give. Strange as it sounds, Jesus has actually found a creative way to love her, and it's by asking her for help. And what's more, he's loving her across an oppressive social and cultural barrier. He's refusing to disrespect her, or worse, to spite her, as would have been expected of a Jew encountering a Samaritan, not to mention a Samaritan who is a woman of questionable repute. And here's the result. First of all, the woman is surprised. She's intrigued. She's open. And soon, a genuinely reciprocal conversation entails. A connection is made. Deep things of the heart are discussed. And Jesus reveals himself to her as the Messiah, the true well, the one from whom living waters flow. She is so touched, so loved, so healed by this encounter that before long, she has shared her story with the whole town, who in turn become followers of Christ. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus' example here? Do you find it difficult to ask for help when you have a need? I know I do. I usually try to figure out any way I can to do something on my own without help, though I'm slowly learning to listen to God's nudge when he's inviting me to ask for help. And I've noticed that very often when I have asked for help, good things have come out of it. How many fascinating conversations I've had, how many connections have been deepened, how much richer is my sense of community, how much healthier and humbler is my spirit. And maybe, just maybe, I'm more generous for having been the recipient of others' generosity. In 1998, a journalist named Tom Junod wrote a lengthy profile of Fred Rogers in Esquire magazine. It's the article that served as the basis for the film, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And in this article, Tom Junod tells a story that I think is instructive for us here. As a children's television celebrity, Fred Rogers, who was, by the way, an ordained Presbyterian minister, frequently met with special needs children regularly on his set, often in connection with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. One of those children was a boy with cerebral palsy. When that boy first came onto the set, he became quite overwhelmed. He needed to take a moment. Fred Rogers waited for him patiently. When the boy's parents brought him back, Fred Rogers said to the boy, I would like for you to do something for me. Would you do something for me? The boy answered, yes, he would do anything for Mr. Rogers. I would like you to pray for me. Will you pray for me? said Mr. Rogers. Here's what the journalist wrote next in the article. Quote, Nobody had ever asked the boy for something like that, ever. The boy had always been prayed for. He'd always been the object of prayer. 
And now he was being asked to pray for Mr. Rogers. And he said he'd try, because he figures Mr. Rogers is close to God. And if Mr. Rogers likes him, that must mean God likes him too. Unquote. I love this story because it flips the power dynamic on its head. Here, the ordained minister asks a child to pray for him. The able-bodied television celebrity asks a disabled young fan to hold him before the Lord. But the story doesn't end here. After the encounter happened, the journalist, Tom Junode, who had witnessed this interaction, complimented Mr. Rogers on his ingenious way of making the boy feel comfortable. But here's what Mr. Rogers said to the journalist. Oh, heavens, Tom, no. I didn't ask him for his prayers for him. I asked for me. I asked him because I think that anyone who has gone through challenges like that must be very close to God. I asked him because I wanted his intercession. God created us not as independent creatures, but as interdependent creatures. We have many, many needs by design. And each one of those needs is an opportunity to experience our creator and sustainer's provision and to extend his provision to others. What if God wants to use a need in your life or mine to heal our broken self-image through another person's generosity and heartfelt, unconditional respect? What if God wants to use us to help take down oppressive social structures by our willingness to reach across cultural barriers to meet a need of someone who is different from us? What if he is using others' needs and your needs, yours and mine, to architect community and build the kingdom. As we close today, listen to the passage again. What is the invitation for you in this passage today? Is there someone God is prompting you to ask for practical help with something, like Jesus asked the woman at the well for water? Is there a social or cultural boundary he's inviting you to cross over in love as Jesus did? Is there someone whom God might be putting on your heart who would happily pray for you if you simply ask? John chapter 4 verses 5 through 15. Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. <laughs> 